Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. And the whole thing is that a witness is someone who tells what they've seen and what they've heard. And we've been walking through the book of Acts, and I, I can't even tell you how many weeks we've been in it, but I know after today we have two more weeks. We have two more weeks after today, and then we're moving on to something else. But we spent a lot of time just going through Acts, looking at people in the early church who had just placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have budgets. But people came to know Jesus Christ because they decided to be witnesses in the face of persecution, opposition, in the face of rejection. That man, the the message of Christ was so powerful that people were following Jesus, even if it meant their death. Just unbelievable. We've been walking through story after story. And today, uh, last week is kind of follow up. Uh, I mean, today's kind of follow up of last week where we've gone through some practical stuff on, on how to do this. And today we're talking about a game plan. And believe it or not, we have a lot of game plans in our lives. I'm, I'm going to read some. I'll throw a thing about that we have a lot of game plans. When we go on vacation, we usually have a game plan, don't we? Now, some people, the game plan is I'm not going to do anything, but that's a game plan. As a matter of fact, I, there's, uh, the, the leaders of the cafe ministry, Jason and Holly Rowletter, they are in Utah, and they have had a game plan of everything they're going to do, like how far they were going to drive this day and that day. They drove to Utah in two days, took two kids with them, and they're still married. Isn't that good? You know, <laughs> Praise God. You've been there, haven't you? And then the kids are still alive. They're still alive. But they've been doing stuff, and I've been kind of following them, but they've got a game plan. As a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody else this morning and said, hey, they're going up to Maine, going up there and said, hey, we've got this game plan. We're going to do this and that and everything. We've got a game plan when it comes to vacation. How about this? You ever go on a cruise? Does anybody go on a cruise anytime soon? Oh, we've got some people that are going on cruises. Oh, man, good for you. When you go on a cruise, you know what they give you? They give you an itinerary. You know what that is? That is a game plan. We're going here this day, this day, this day, this day. So you know where you're going. They give you a game plan. Not only do we do it with cruises, when you go to the grocery store, you have a game plan. You either, how many of you are, when you go to the grocery store, you have a list? How many of you are just going to use the force? <laughs> little Debbie's galore. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get some good stuff. When the kids were little, they, they could always tell when I went to the grocery store because, man, we got some stuff. It wasn't what we needed. But they got some stuff. They loved old dad. But a lot of times you have a game plan. I'm going to get this, that, and this. And you're going to write it down. I'm going to attack. You know where the stuff is. going to go to this area. We have a game plan. Sports, believe it or not, even though all the Atlanta teams get beat all the time, they've got a game plan. They've got a game They walk in. They've got game plans. they got a game plan. You may, we always think, well, they don't know what they're doing. They've got a game plan. It just doesn't work out a lot of times. But they've got a game plan. Yard work. We have a game plan. We do have a game plan. My game plan is get my boys to do it. <laughs> Sometimes that doesn't work, and I have to. I have this game plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mow first, and I'm going to weed eat, and I'm going to do this, do that, whatever, do the head. Just, we got a game. We've got this game plan that we do. 
when we go to an event, we have a game plan. I went to a graduation party last weekend, went to a grad party, and they had, there's a lot of people there, and they had the driveway, and you know nobody parked in that driveway. You know why? Because people had already decided, I'm not going to park in that driveway, because what happens when you park in the driveway? You get blocked in. We've already got a game plan. And Le- I, Leslie knows that's the first thing I'm thinking is where am I going to park so I don't get blocked in. I don't know why we always have this fear of getting blocked. Nobody parked in the driveway. Everybody was in the road or to the side of the yard. But that's how we are. We've got this game. We've got this game plan. I want to give you a game plan. Very simple. For sharing your faith. Just to, last week we just talked about it, in, and we've talked about a couple of messages of keeping things simple that you don't have to. You don't have to know a lot. I'm not. I'm not against knowing a lot, but you don't have to. You know, have a hundred scriptures or anything and everything. But just a simple game plan that you can share Christ. So, what is the game plan for telling somebody about Jesus? What is the game plan? Because we're talking about who's your one, and, and sometimes that can be intimidating, and we think, well, you know, that's just for pastors. But when we read the book of Acts, it was ordinary people telling people about Jesus. Ordinary people. They hadn't even established churches yet. They were just in the process of getting all that going. They didn't really have pastors at that time. They were in the process of getting all It was ordinary people telling people about Jesus. And so I'm going to give you a game plan. Very simple. And it comes from the Scriptures. It comes from Acts 17. And it's just two points today. Two points. The first is this. Meet them where they're at. Meet them where they're at. In Acts 17, we pick up this story that Paul, he's been traveling around, uh, telling people about Jesus, just going to different places, and he goes to Athens. And Athens is the center for... Religion is a center for philosophy at that time that a lot of people went there and they debated a lot of things. As a matter of fact, Paul, when he arrives at the city, he sees they've got all these idols everywhere. Idol worship is, is super prevalent and he's got all these idols and everything. And we see how Paul just picks up. None of that intimidates him. He doesn't, he doesn't sit there and think, well, you know what? These people are going to hell, whatever. He doesn't have these thoughts. He just meets them where they're at. He meets people where they're at. And so let's pick up the story right here, and I'm just going to make some points. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He was troubled, but he wasn't being judgmental. He was troubled. It bothered him like that these people were lost, that they didn't know Jesus, that they were worshiping a lot of things. Does it sound anything like our culture? He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He went to where the people were. He just went to where they were, and he met people where they were at. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. Paul was super smart. Uh, He was one of the most educated men in his day. Super smart guy. Came to faith in Jesus Christ. He went from being a person who killed Christians to a Christian. He went went from someone who persecuted Christ followers to being a Christ follower. He had this experience where he he came to this this place where he believed that Jesus was who he said he was, that that hope and life change was found in him. And man, he was on fire just telling people about Christ. And when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Again, these guys are lost. He's planting seeds. Then they took him out 
to the high council of the city, come and tell us about this new teaching. They said, you are saying some rather strange things. And I just want to stop right here. And I, I, I want you to embrace this. Hear me. When you start talking about a guy dying and rising from the dead, it's strange. Yes or no? It's strange. Don't let that intimidate. It is strange. It was strange for, for you before you believed it. Yes or no? It was. You're like, oh, that's kind of, that's out there. Don't let that deter you. Yeah, I embrace it. It's strange. It's bizarre. I believe it with all my heart. But there's no getting around when you talk about someone dying and being raised back to life that that's strange. And that's what, that's what was going on here. And we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the late idea, latest ideas. Paul met people where they're at. He met people where he didn't judge them. He just simply said, hey, I see there's a bunch of idols. This bothers me, but I'm going to go talk to people about Jesus. I'm going to go to the Jews. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. I'm going to talk to philosophers. I'm going to talk to, to those who are... Uh, uh, Stoics and, and, and just and, and tell them about Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell them that Jesus rose from the dead. And you and I have this opportunity to just simply meet people where they're at. And you've heard me say this over and over again. You have people in your circles right now that need Christ. And here's the truth. They're more open to hearing about Jesus from you than they are from me because I'm a pastor. You are the ordinary person that's in the Bible, in the book of Acts. You're living that out. You're the witness. I am too, but I'm just telling you, it's different. This past Easter, I work out at this gym. I haven't been lately. Don't judge me. I've been hurt. That's always a good one. I've been hurt. I haven't been the last little bit. But there's a woman that attends this campus that works out at the gym. It's a little CrossFit gym, and I, like I said, just I'm, I'm just there. I'm just there trying to stay alive. There's a lot of lost people in that circle. And I was talking to the woman from our campus. I said, hey, I'm going to invite these guys to church. I looked at her and I said, they'll come if you invite them. I know they will. I said, they respect you. They expect me to invite them. Easter Sunday, all three of the owners came to church because someone simply met someone where they were at and invited them, told them about Christ. She's no different than you. We all can meet people where they're at. We meet people relationally. In whatever season of life they're in, whatever marital state they're in, maybe they're hurting. Maybe we share the same hobbies, the same work, but we can simply meet people where they're at. Maybe they're part of our family. We can meet people where they're at theologically. They believe in God. They don't believe in God. They believe in another God. We can meet them theologically where they're at. We can. We can meet people in their philosophy, their views of life, their their politics, their parenting. We don't have to agree with everything that everybody else believes in order to meet them where they're at. We just simply meet people where they're at. And we just tell them our story. We can meet people circumstantially in their struggles, in their victories, in their problems, in their goals, in their dreams, in their successes. 
We just simply meet people where they're at. No matter where they're at. So who's in your circle? Can you meet them where they're at? Sometimes I think that we have made this thing way more complicated than what it really needs to be. When my daughter Meredith was uh, little, she played soccer and, and rec soccer, and the guy coaching the team, you could tell he knew soccer. He knew soccer, but he didn't know little kids. Like I, don't, I can't remember how old she was, maybe four or five or something like that, but this guy, was he, he was a good, you know, at that age, just really just running around and kicking the ball, and I'm just being honest with you. Well, anyway, at the end of the first game, I can't remember if they won or lost, but the coach looked at all the kids and he said, all right, everybody, grab a knee. Well, this is something you tell adults to do or high school players. Well, anyway, I look up and all these four-year-olds are grabbing their knee like this. <laughs> and I think sometimes that's how we've kind of made, instead of meeting people where they're at, we, we've kind of made it like, I've got to do this or I've got to do that or I've got to have these Bible verses. And look, I, I've, I've told you all, have some Bible verses. I'm not against the Bible. I'm for the Bible. My whole point is that just simply meet people with that and strike up a conversation. Don't make it more than anything. Don't, don't try to spiritualize it. Don't, don't, don't try to do too much. Just trust the Holy Spirit and tell them your story, which is the second point. Share the gospel. Just simply share the gospel. Now, the word gospel means good news. It's the good news about Jesus Christ. And listen, it is the best news of all. I, I think sometimes when we're in the church for a while, we forget how good a news it is. It is the best news that everything you've ever done has been forgiven when you place your faith in Jesus Christ to save you. That your eternity is secure. That God is with you, not even not just in the future, but for right now. That we taught, had this prayer time. That God cares about what's going on in our lives right now. That is the best news of all. And there are people out there that they want to hear the good news. Listen to me. We did this two weeks ago. Two weeks we put name on the board and look right here. There's two people. You get, it was good enough for them, wasn't it? It was good enough for you, wasn't it? There was a time in your life where you didn't believe, but at some point you realized that this is good news. I, I've told you this. I've never regretted following Christ. Never, ever. I've never thought. I've always looked back and I remember the moment I did. I knew what I wanted. I knew and I thought if, if he is who he says he is and he'll have me, then I'll follow him. And that is the message of the good news is that Jesus Christ saves, that he went to the cross paying the penalty for our sins. And so we meet people where they're at and we just simply share the gospel. We share the good news. Look what Paul did. And since this is true, now what is true? I'm going to, I skipped some verses just for time's sake, but you can go back and read it. What is true? What was true was is that there's a God and that He loves you. And He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. That throughout your whole life, He's been reaching out to you. That He's close. Speaking our name, calling out in our spirit. Paul says, since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol because they had all these idols that is designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. He said, he's not an idol. 
He said, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. That there's been times in our life where we've been ignorant and, and we've had idols in our lives. And the truth is that even after you follow Christ, there's times where you still have some idols that you have to, you have to do away with. He said, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. That this message that Paul is talking about, that, that we share the gospel, that we can turn to God. And we talk about this word repentance. It just simply means that if I'm going the wrong way, I turn around and start going the right way. And that's been the call of the gospel all along. Turn back to me. Turn to me the first time. Trust me. And then Paul goes on to say, For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. That man is Jesus Christ. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. And we've talked about this, that not everybody believes. Some scoff, but the ones who scoff today may believe tomorrow. Those who laugh today may place their faith in Christ tomorrow. It's just how it works. It takes a while. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, and a woman named Damaris, and others with him. That you and I just simply share the gospel. We meet people where they're at, and we share the gospel. We tell people what Christ has done in our life. That I've found hope. I've found life change. I've found forgiveness of sins. This is how my life works. This is good news. And we let the chips fall where they're at. It's just a very simple game plan. Meet people where they're at. Ball field, work, family. Hobbies. Tell people about Jesus. Share the gospel. I want you to watch the screen. You're going to see a story of Malachi. Malachi's a young boy and he had a game plan. Watch it with me. Well, we named him Malachi after the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament. Um, and his name means my messenger. He never met a stranger who's so inquisitive, would talk to anybody and that was him from day one. I mean, that, that's never changed. Even until he took his last breath, he was always that way. He, Malachi loved sports and he loved soccer. And at night, he started to complain that, he's like, Dad, my leg hurts. So I went to a friend who you know has a clinic here and they got finished and the doctor came to the door and he just, you know, he knocked and it's that moment you don't want as a parent where he's like, hey, I need you to come talk to me. So I went down to the office and sat down and he he just looked at me and he said, there's two to three small masses in the base of his spine. We need you to uh, take him to Atlanta today. But that Saturday morning, they, they had about, was about two and a half, almost three hour surgery. And he just said, like, the likelihood of this being cancer is pretty high. So. That was a very hard moment. I mean, not to just say it as it is, but the average lifespan was 17 months. Mm -hmm. He was in the hospital for 45 days. And 
he just immediately, when you go back and you start looking at kind of some of the stuff that he wrote down, Malachi could have just said, like, I'm done. February 2nd, 2019. I said, just let me die. That's what I said. There's no point in laying in a bed doing nothing. My dad said, I'm alive probably today still because I have a story even at age 12. I have a testimony. As parents, you can encourage your kids to do something. But in that situation, he had to make a decision. And he chose how he was going to walk it out. The Lord has given me so many chances to share the gospel, and I'm going to take every chance I can. The world needs Jesus. I want to step my game up because this thing, cancer, it can kill me. So I need to tell as many people as I can. Every day, Monday through Friday, when we would go for radiation, he would have to be transported in an ambulance. And so every day we had two new people that we spent about four hours with. And Malachi shared the gospel every day to those new people. I mean, he would lay in the back of that, on that stretcher in that ambulance. So where are you from and what do you do? But Malachi was just so bold. And I think that was kind of one of the gifts of cancer was that it really brought an awareness of life and death. I mean, you get a cancer diagnosis and it's, what do you have to lose? I mean, you know, like really, what I mean, what do you have to lose? The body of believers at our church is amazing. We rolled out the Who's Your One initiative and that was one of the things that fueled that list. He just literally went through the list of people that he knew that needed Jesus. And I, I'm just going to write them down. I'm going to fight for them. And gosh, for him, he it's, it just took it seriously because he, he saw the finish line in front of him. The end of August, we went uh, for a scan and it had spread to his brain. And so our prayers shifted from... Lord, sustain him, you know, to cheering him on to the finish line. And so when he, when he took his last breath, I just remember thinking, like right now, he's with Christ. Yeah, we, we hung on to that passage of in the garden where he's like, take this cup, please take this cup. Um, but if it's your will, and so we just we just drank of whatever the Lord gave us and trusted that the end would be for His glory. When our staff saw that video this week, nobody said a word for a little bit. Malachi had a game plan. His short life, only over 100 people accepted Jesus Christ. He believed that Jesus was the answer. Last week, after 11 o'clock service, we had a man accept Christ. He was brought here by his girlfriend. 
And I'll never forget the words. She, she said, she said, I just believed that Jesus was the answer. He's the answer. Listen to me. Hear me. Jesus Christ is the answer. That's what people need. He's who people need. And we have this opportunity. We've been talking about who's your one in the back of the seats. There's, is there a card? Who's your one? It's just like a little bookmark and you just got a perforated edge and you write the name of someone that you're going to share Christ with this year. Put it in one of the baskets. We'll put it on the cross and we're going to pray and we're going to celebrate when they get on this side. We're going to celebrate every one of them because somebody's eternity is going to change. They're going to find hope. They're going to find life change in Jesus Christ. But what we want to do now is we want to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe your response today is that you need Jesus Christ. I need Jesus. That's me. I need Him. Gary, you're talking to me. He's, God's been speaking to me my whole life. And I've been putting Him off the days today. I'm going to be down front. I'd love to talk to you. Or maybe today is the day that you need to repent. Or maybe today is the day that you need to get serious about who your one is and you're going to come up here and you're going to pray for them and watch what God does. I'm going to ask you to stand. Stand with me now. And then we're going to pray and then respond. Father, we come to you. Lord, such a simple message. Meeting people where they're at and telling them about you. Father, I pray for the person here today that has never placed their faith in you. They've been fighting you their whole life. But you love and you keep reaching out. But Lord, I pray today is the day that they surrender. Lord, I pray for those of us here today that we just simply need to repent, that we need to turn back to you. We've wandered whatever's going on, but we know that you always welcome us with open arms. And Lord, finally, I pray for those of us who haven't committed to reaching one, that you would just give us a name of one person we're going to share Christ with this year. And so, Lord, move in our midst. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.